Good evening. Tonight I am in, you guys don't know ever where I'm going to be, do you? You don't know where I'm coming from. So tonight we are in Livingston, Montana again. Kathy and I are here for like the next uh, three nights. We were last night, tonight, tomorrow night. And then we're headed to Butte, Montana, uh, where we're going to do some shows from Butte and show you what's going on in Butte. Um, our sponsors tonight, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. And our other sponsor is metal mercury metal design and fabrication um and i've got something to show you from both of them so we're gonna i'm gonna go yeah this is what kind of what mercury metal is all about and what they do and then our show tonight i've got one of the candidates for west lane county commissioner on here we're going to talk about how important your voice is and how important that is for you i also want to fill you in a little bit on my alaska trip and then bill london is gone tonight he's his dad is um having some issues. So Bill needs to be there to kind of help him out. So I pulled an old video that I put together of a lot of my favorite uh, shows that are stories that I've ever done. And it's a little uh, 15 minute thing that I'm going to put on at the end. So we'll have that. So let's hear first from uh, Mercury Metal. Mercury Metal Design and Fabrication does in the name. We basically fabricate any type of sheet metal. We do any type of structural steel as well. We do chainsaw bar manufacturing. We also do CNC machining. Uh, high-end laser cutting, uh, form and fab. We also do custom welding of any type of uh, stuff. We do some stuff on site, but not so much, but most everything in house is all custom sheet metal fabrication. But a lot of the stuff we do for like, uh, there's one company I can't really name the customer, but we do large uh, four by four land cruiser type things that go through and they, you can live inside of them. They're solar powered, huge tires on them. <laughs> a lot of our stuff is on top of that. So that's good advertisement too. So Lane Community College came in and dropped this off. This was basically an engine mount for a Cessna that was made between 1979 and 1985. So they asked us for a quick replication of it, made out of chromoly steel, exact measurements. So we'll take it, reverse engineer it, produce a bunch of them for them and give them some replicas. Because you can't find those anymore. So they bring you the actual part and you recreate it. Yep, yep. Our reverse engineering process, yeah. That's crazy. And so I brought my wife in here <laughs> at the last minute. She was in cooking dinner and I brought her in because um, we had a fun adventure with Alaska Airlines yesterday, didn't we, hon? Fun. Fun? I wouldn't call that fun. How many hours did we spend in the, the um, Alaska terminal? Well, let's see. What time did we get there? We got there at noon. Yeah. And I think by the end of the whole thing, we were on Delta Airlines at 7. So we had to get on another airline and it was a really a cluster screw. It was a whole, just a, a, an event. So we got into Seattle and we, and on the reader board, it said, go to gate S four. And so that's way at the other end of the, of the, I mean, the opposite end of the airport. And so Kathy and I we go down there. And, and there's, then I there's, looked, I have an app on my phone, the Alaska airlines app. So it, but it said C12 or something like that. And so we were confused. So we started heading down that way and realized how far it was is we're gonna have to take these trains and all this stuff to get there. And we're about halfway ready to get on the train. And then we're like, well, wait a minute, we only have so much time. Wonder if we going the wrong gate. So we went halfway back and asked somebody that worked there and said, what we've got these two different conflicting. And he said, oh, always change, uh, believe the board. 
here at the airport. They're so that the was the S4. So Kathy and I got on the thing, went all the way over there. There's like 33 people. And how I know there's 33, you'll find out. But there's 33 people there waiting. And it says on there, Bozeman and our flight, where we were going. Yeah, right on the board. And, and But there's not very many people. There's nobody um, standing behind the counter up there. And, we're, and people are kind of wondering what's going on. So we, Rick went to the bathroom and I, then, I do I go to the bathroom sometimes. and then when we came when he came back I'd heard a lady coming back and saying we're at the wrong gate it's see there's the original one that was on my phone and like you've got we're to like we're me. like a mile from it and trains are like 15 minutes to get back to that and it was boarding right then so we run back to the other side and all these 33 people and they're in different segments of it so we figure somebody's going to get back there just as we get there then they tell us nope we're not going to open the door. The you, doors had closed. And you don't, you can't go on there. So we're, we're all like, you're leaving 33 people here. And Kathy and I don't do well with that kind of stupidity. So, right. I mean, like there are like lots of us standing there saying, why don't you just let them know we're here? Like, why would you have closed the doors when you knew there was like 30, all of us waiting? So anyway, long story then we. So we, we got in their face a little bit and said, you know, you're going to do something about it. And then all these other people went through the line and then there was like 10 of us at the back. And so Kathy and I went up there and we're telling the lady, no, you can't do this. I mean, you can't, this is not right. But what, what they were doing is they were not only the people at the counter at the airline, when we were trying to board, those people were saying, sorry, nothing we can do about it. It's yeah. beyond our control. Then we get up to the customer service counter and the lady says the same thing when she said, and we're asking, well, what can you do about our flight? You, you know, blah, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do about it. And I said, so nobody's responsible for Alaska Airlines decisions. Like you guys are making, so anyway, then she realized, I think that we she, weren't going to go away. So she, she realized she got a supervisor named Derek. He was the coolest guy. And he came and he listened to us and he just said, okay, this is wrong. They shouldn't have done this. And, and he admitted it was he, bad customer service. Yeah. So he says, what do you want? And I said, well, earlier in the day, um, you were sending notices that you would, you had too many people on the plane and you would sell tickets for $500 that we get $500 if we took another flight. So all 10 of us want $500. And then since we have to wait here for 10 hours, we want to go into the luxury room where we get the drinks for free and all the little, you know, the little extras. The lounge, honey, the Alaska lounge. The, the lounge. So he, so he goes, let me go see what I can negotiate. And he comes back out and he gave us all $500 and we had A discount to the lounge. And we had, these people are now like our best friends in the whole world. Um, and they, one of them, and the reason we were doing it, when we, we got the couple, there's a couple, two doctors with a little baby that was on there. There's a woman whose dad was dying, trying to get back to Bozeman to see him before he passed. And so we got some of those people on the earlier flight and, um, everybody got out and we made some new friends. So it, was, it and then we, but then we got back to Bozeman and it's snowing six inches and we have to drive 25 miles from the airport to our house at one in the morning. <laughs> so we went to bed at three after we had, we had a couple of beers and some food and, um, and we survived, but what did we learn? That was your cue. Oh, was that my cue? What did we learn? Well, I guess you got to make the best of bad situations and you can also ask for things and 
you don't have to just sit back and take it. So I think, so I think there's a little of both of that, but we learned, we did meet a lot of really fun people and had a good day, even though it was not the best of all days. And we really did. Kathy and I did. You you have to stand up for yourself. And so we watched a lot of people just go, okay, whatever they told them to do. And it's like, I just, we don't believe in that. I think it's like, you know what, you made a mistake and I'm not expecting you to bow down but you can do something. And all those people, they were so appreciative. They're going, Oh my gosh, we got a thousand dollars per couple. You know, these couples are walking around the thousand dollars and Kathy and I are going, that's how you do things. You don't, you don't just take yet. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes they just forget, you know, it's all about the rules and they forget there's people behind that. They're actually inconveniencing and there's stories behind everybody. But I think we all need to remember that. And yeah, stand up for yourself. Good night. I mean, you're worth it. You're a human being. God put you on this earth and you don't have to let people walk on you ever. Even Alaska airlines. (laughs) All right. All right. Thanks, hon. So that's the great thing about my wife. I just went in there and said, you want to do it? She goes, I don't look very good. And she'll do it anyway. So um, one of our other sponsors, and this is perfect leading into our next guest too, is Dr. Michael Bratlin. Um, And Dr. Michael Bratlin is my best friend in the world. And he will say exactly what he wants to say. This is Dr. Michael Bratlin with Chris Dental. Oregonians allowed the lockdowns to remain in effect for two long years. Two years. We allowed government officials to dictate what we put on our face and what we put on our bodies with little opposition and not enough questions. Why do I bring this up now? Because trust me, they will bring back masks next winter after the elections. Next time, don't be complacent. Actually follow the science and let your voices be heard. Next time, stand up to these power-hungry politicians. No mincing words there, Dr. B. (laughs) He says what he wants. Jim... Jim, I agree with you. I do love Alaska Air, too. That's the first bad experience, and it was a really bad one, but it turned out good, and the supervisor did change the, the, everything, and 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 two ladies behind the counter, they did everything, and it was really, really great. Um, Heather says, I am not a silent person when I feel mistreated or others around me. Um, yeah, me, me either. Um, not going to put up with that kind of stuff. So, I'm going to introduce you to somebody because you know how you guys have always, whenever we do stuff like this, you always, when it gets to an election, I, I have a number of you writing me and going, Rick, who, who should I vote for? Who should I vote for? And I don't tell people usually, if you write me personally, I'll tell you what I think. But um, I like to introduce you to people that are running and especially the lesser known people maybe um, in the big picture um, because I think it gives you an idea of who these people are. And you're not going to get it from the stupid voters pamphlet. That stupid little rag, that should not even be something in Oregon because all it is is something that the, the opponents and the proponents pay for, and then they just give you lies. So, yeah, there's this, the little script of what this what the measure is or who the candidate is, but all the rest of it is just people saying what they, what, what they want to say about it. And that's, we get enough of that from TV news. So tonight you're going to meet – this is Terry. Come on on, Terry. This is Terry oh. Dunham. And he's no stranger to politics in the terms that you've served on the Port Commission in Florence for a number of years. That's correct, Rick. I've served on the Port for the last 10 years. I'm currently the board chair. I've got a couple more years left on this term, and, and we'll see how things go from there. So why in the world would you want to run for county commissioner? Are you crazy? 
Well, I'm a lifelong business or a lifelong small business owner here in West Lane County, and I've lived here my whole life. I'm third generation Florence, Oregon native, and I see the troubles that people have here. We have no representation, and it all boils down to we need representation. We need people to be heard from rural West Lane County at the county level uh, to get our services back. And what I liked when you uh, you wrote me and said, Rick, would you have me on? I, I, you have an idea that I think is pretty co cool, especially since we haven't had a, a county commissioner in the West area. We've had Jay Bozovich, and he's an awesome guy. You love him, too. He's just a good guy, but he's not running again, so there's no incumbent, which is a perfect time for you to jump in. But you want to you put an office over in Florence and pay for it. Yes, I do. Uh, one of the questions come up at one of our forums uh, I think it was a Zoom forum, and and the comments came that well, I'll spend two days a week over there, or maybe we do need a courthouse annex that that candidate Duman has suggested. My platform right from the start is I will have an office in Florence staff five days with access to me services. I may not be able to answer your question on the spot, but I will listen to your voice and I'll make sure we get you to the proper uh, people. Biggest issue facing Lane County in your mind? Biggest issue I, I feel facing Lane County is obviously the unhoused and the homeless uh, right now. The, and, and to me, everybody talks about the homeless, but to me, it's almost as much as the unhoused. The unhoused, it affects our our, our uh, small business people here, even, even in Eugene. I mean, people can't hire people because they don't have a place to live. Right. We need to figure out ways to house these people. I've got truck drivers that work for me that will actually stay in their travel trailer on my property five days a week and then travel home because they cannot find a place in the Florence Mapleton area to house their families. Terry, you know, it's interesting as I just was having this conversation with a radio station here in, um, in Bozeman. And um, uh, the, one of the biggest problems they face is that people can't afford to live here and work here because so many people are coming in, buying up property, renting it high. And you're in Florence. I mean, welcome to that's a, a huge issue for you guys because it is a tourist town. But who's going to wait on the tourists or, or clean the rooms or take them on sightseeing tours or fishing or whatever? So many times we'll see a, a sign on the restaurant door saying we're closed today because staff could not be at work today. Uh, we don't have a re we don't have a reliable work staff available in the Florence Mapleton area. And, and that's what I've seen through the rest of rural Lane County. But there's things we can do. The city of Florence has been working on a program and it's not working. They're, they're uh, using a program now where they give a 10 year tax free to the developers to build multi unit family dwellings. Really? Uh, this is a way to bring developers and private people. I mean, if you want to bring and build a fourplex here in Florence, you're going to get tax free for 10 years on the improvements of that property. It's existing property. You just have to upgrade it. So you know, that's when, one thing. And then the ADUs, the, the alternative dwelling units, additional dwelling units. Uh, City of Springfield's done a great job uh, developing their properties where they can actually have divide their property into two. Like you have a one acre property. There's no reason you can't have a two or three uh, partitions there and put extra housing on that property. You already have the city water, the city sewer. You have all your services there. You just need to allow them to do it. Can you imagine like, well, when Kathy and I went to Big Sur and there's right in the middle of Big Sur, which is, you know, like uh, basically an hour and a half from any city the other direction. And there's no town there. It's just a little uh, kind of a place. 
And this guy has a, a, a fabulous restaurant and um, resort with rooms for, oh gosh, I'm guessing 50 or 60 people. But in order to do that, he's built an entire housing unit and they're not, they're not apartments. These are little houses that where the employees live and he lives right there amongst them. And then one of the, the chefs who's a sous chef, um, when he, his wife got pregnant, the, the, the owner said, okay, we need to build a room there. Cause, and the guy goes, why? And he goes, cause you're having a kid and I need you to stay. Um, wouldn't it be nice if we had this idea, like kind of thought about Florence or towns like even Eugene and Springfield, but you know, like more like Florence, if you're going to start a business, we got to figure out ways that your neighbors and people can, can provide those ADUs or that, that other housing. So it's not just tourists coming in, you're taking care of the people serving the tourists. Yeah, exactly. And that's a very logical idea. The, the ADUs are a great way to do it. Uh, the development, uh, there's just so many things that we, we do can do in the city with the city services as far as expanding that housing. But it's not just the small businesses. You know, you got Peace Health Hospital. They can't get doctors and nurses to come to Florence. The Sisley School District can't get qualified teachers that want to come here and live because they can't get the housing. And, and you're right. There's ways we can change our zoning. We can we F2 zoning is being forgotten about. And, and a lot of people in Eugene don't understand the problems with an F2 zone period. But here on the coast, we do understand that F2 is kind of a forgotten thing at this point. How do you feel about opening up the urban growth boundary? I know you don't have any, you have some position in that, but I mean, um, I know it's really the cities, but from a county level. Well, I think the county needs to encourage it. And Lane County has been proactive uh, to to the Florence area. I mean, they've, they've allowed them to, we've expanded the urban growth north of Florence, which is our logical direction to grow. But so many places, we don't really have, Mapleton doesn't have to worry about an urban growth boundary or Swiss home or Deadwood. They just need help, period. We can't ask everybody from Mapleton, Swiss home. I just read about villages, a nice story about a, a lady that had wanted to stay in Cottage Grove, Square One Village, started a little co-op there, uh, which is getting county funding. They have four of them in Eugene. They put small houses on, on, on larger parcels of property, and they actually do a rent to own uh, some ownership in it. The thing is, is, is that's great for Eugene and Cottage Grove, but what about the rest of rural Lane County? That's what we need to, to consider. So you and I were talking earlier about the reaction to COVID and and Lane County, um, you know, now looking back, it's like, you know, the governor, in my opinion, um, took took too many liberties and they should have been handed to the counties on an individual level so that, that because they know what their people need and what the what the numbers are and their health department. Would you be supportive of that if taking if, if something like that came up again, of putting that control under the county commissioners? So, so Harney County isn't doing the same thing Lane County's doing or Multnomah County. That's entirely correct. I would agree with that. We need to look at it by zip codes. Uh, and, and unfortunately, one of the school superintendents in the LC school district decided to do it upon himself. And uh, I think he they received a large citation from the state uh, in the in tunes of uh, six figures. Um, but he took it upon himself and got himself in trouble. That should not have happened. The, the neighboring county should have said, wait a minute, let's look at this. And I think we all learn from this. The pandemic right. 
was just so abrupt on us. It was thrown on us. The county wasn't ready for it. We didn't have funds to combat it. Uh, we had no education. And that's the big thing to me is we needed education in rural Lane County. We needed to have Zoom meetings. And they can say, well, we do have access to Zoom meetings. But you know what? We need to have that stuff in place before the next pandemic hits us. And it's going to come, Rick. Right. Because I, I think what, what was so frustrating about it is that you had one person, Governor Brown, deciding everything for everyone with one big blank sheet. And here's people in Lane County where we're thinking you should be. That's why we elected the, the, the county commissioners is they should be handling that situation because they know us. They know our town. They know Florence from Mapleton, from Springfield, from Cottage Grove instead of a governor just kind of. And I think that's what she did wrong in, in terms of that. And I hope that as a county commissioners in the future, when things like this come up, um, that you know we're able to go back to our local elected leaders, not the queen. <laughs> well, we're not all one town. You know, Florence is different than Eugene, and and you're right. The county, the the West Lane County commissioners should have been there saying, you know, that the the constituents in my district are doing fine on the COVID counts. This zip code, this zip code, and this zip code. Uh, that should be done at a county level. And you're right, a blank of policy. I don't think we really have to worry about that in the in the coming, uh, or I should say, I hope we don't uh, with the election, with the governor election coming in. Coming well, in. that that superintendent that you were talking about is actually running for governor, and Mark is doing and doing very well. So uh, we'll see what happens when this all. Are you are you kind of as an Oregonian? Um, are you kind of excited about the future because? It, it feels like people are ready for, I don't care about a red wave or a blue wave. I just care about a wave of enthusiasm in Oregon where people take back what was rightfully theirs, which is they are the boss. You work for them, Terry. You're not, you're, we're, you know what I mean? And I think we've got that mixed up in Oregon where it's like, I'm sorry, um, I'm your boss. That's just how it is. I think I think we've gone too far left and too far right and then back too far left. And now I think with this election here, I think it's going to go more down the middle. The county position is nonpartisan. Uh, unfortunately, we still have the, the left and the right. Uh, Jay has been the dissenting vote on uh, the, the lone dissenting vote. And it's going to be an uphill battle if uh, whoever is elected, if they continue to be that lone dissenting vote on, on the on the. Uh, timber issues, uh, the climate action plan. There's a lot of issues out there right now that we need to keep that vote available. And what about that little raise? Oh, I, you know, I've been through six forums, Rick. So I'm going to thank you for asking that question because no one has ever asked me about the little raise issue. But uh, what they did was not was not incorrect. It's how they handled it afterwards. And that's all I need to say about it. And if I was elected, I would make sure that every member of my uh, my budget committee uh, was truthful in their campaigns. Well, I, I always have found it kind of interesting. I think we need to come up with a new way because I find it interesting when you give yourself your own raise. I would love to be able to, to just get, you know, randomly take somebody else's money and give myself a raise. But I think we need to have some kind of a group that's disconnected from the county commissioners. And that goes for school districts and all that too. You've got husbands and wives of teachers on the school boards deciding their retirement plan. And it's like, I'm, I'm sorry, does this not sound like a conflict of interest? And we don't even know what that is anymore as a culture. 
Well, I, I've stated in my position that any raise that and the raise didn't carry through. They they didn't get the raise, didn't pass. But it was just how they handled by denying that they voted for the raise. Uh, that was their only mistake they made. And I agree with you. Uh, I've been on the Port Commission for 10 years. I've never even got a cup of coffee from the Port Commission. So uh, a lot of the positions in Oregon aren't paid. And, and I served there knowingly and willingly. And I would be willing to do so uh, even at this level here. It, it, you're right. There's too many deep pockets. I, I'm not a puppet. I run, I'm financing this campaign entirely on my own. And it's expensive. You know that. You've been around it. Uh, so if some, a constituent comes to me, I don't have to go and check and see if my political action group, are, they, are you in line with my political action group? I don't have to do that. I'm going to represent everybody. So I think, I think when people ask me, like, what should I look for? I, I always say, look for who's, who's paying the bills. If you want to know who's if you want to know who's running and how, how they're voting. And if you align with that, great. If you feel good about that, fine. But watch the decisions they make once elected. And if they line up with those groups that line their pockets with money, which it's so easy to do. And I'm not going to blast anyone here, but I could. Um, it, it's really simple to go in and say, hmm, I wonder how they got elected. And I hope people are real careful as they're looking through. Find out. Who's saying the good things and who's saying the bad? Well, I, I appreciate that. And uh, like I said, I'm not I'm not aligned with anybody. I have no union support. I haven't I haven't sought it. I don't care. I'm running for my neighbor, my friend, my constituents. Uh, I, I'm a local person. I've been doing this too long, uh, conducting business, 40 years of small business here in the Florence area. And you don't run a successful small business in the 40 years if you're trying to line your pockets every time you make a decision. Right. And you had to treat people right because in a small town, they'll come back to you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Exactly. Jerry, thank you. Good luck. Um, you know, let people, yeah, you know, share this on your page, you guys. If you want people just to see, um, even if you didn't agree with everything Terry said, doesn't matter. Let people see who he is and who they're voting for. It's a lot better. Oh, can I ask Terry what business he does own? Um, Heather wants to know what business you own. I own a, a road constructing and logging we build logging roads for timber companies. Uh, we, I own log trucks. I own dump trucks. I have 20 plus employees. I have had 20 employees for the last six or seven years. Um, and that's what we do. So did you know Ross Murray? I do. I do. So I'm doing, um, the family has hired me to do a video. Like we're doing an hour long video on him and, uh, amazing, interesting man. Um, I'm learning a lot. He'll, and uh, He'll, he'll remember my father-in-law's name, John Lagler. Done a lot of business with Ross Murray. Well, Terry, thank you for joining us and taking your time. And thanks for writing me and having the guts to just write and tell me what you're doing. I, I, well, I appreciate you answering me, and it's been great. And uh, I enjoy your show, and I appreciate this opportunity, Rick. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. See you later. Gilman, West Lane County. Okay. Your there you go, place. guys. So you want to know uh, what the candidates think? Um, there you go. That's just that's Terry. That's what he's thinking. And so if that's your kind of guy, then uh, you know what to do. But yeah, and that's the other thing is you guys just vote. I mean, come on. Do you know how many Oregonians don't even register to vote? And then they bitch about stuff. If you don't vote, if you don't re register to vote and you don't vote, you can't bitch. I mean, that's the way it works. You can't say anything if you're out there complaining all the time and you're not participating in the process. So get involved and, and decide who your people are. And then hold them accountable. 
if they don't do what you like, what you're wanting them to do, if you had an employee, what would you do? Would you just sit back and go just whine about it? No, you go and you tell them, this is not what you said you were going to do. And I want you to do what you said you were going to do. All right. Well, that is it. Bill London's not here tonight because again, his father's um, ill and he's kind of helping out. Bill's a great son. He is, if anybody wants a kid, that would be Bill. So you'd want to have Bill to be your kid. He's really helping his dad. Oh, Heather says it's like someone bitching at, at Alaska Airlines. No, that's a little different thing. If somebody treats you wrong, you go after it and you talk to them about it. So I would totally disagree with you on that. There's a difference. Um, if you don't see it, that's fine. You don't, I don't have, don't have to agree. You know, if you follow this show, you know, we do not have to agree. Um, but that's it for now and share this on your page. So other people again can see that, um, hear what's going on and we will be back tomorrow. Bill will be here and tomorrow we're going to have elements health club going to join us and Kim Stark will be here to talk about your health. Then on Wednesday, we have Bob Tiernan who, um, has been a Republican in po politics for a long time. He's running for governor. And so Bob's going to come on our um, show, show and talk with you a little bit about that. And then on Thursday, we'll have more. So that's our week. And we will be coming to you live later this week from Butte, Montana. If you've never been there and never seen it, it's a gold mine or it's a mining town. And it still is a mining town um, with the largest. Honey, what is it? It's the largest continuous downtown area in the nation. I mean, they have a downtown that is absolutely huge and it's historic. Uh, and you're going to love it and seeing it. And we might get into a mine. That's what we're working on. We'll see if we get it. All right. Have a great night and I will see you tomorrow. Have a good day.